Know Your Food with Warty, episode 103. For links and more, visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 103. Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at ganalflins.com and knowyourfoodpodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Hey, and good morning, everyone. Let's start with the tip of the week. It is to make your own nut milk bag. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's this handy thing to help you create pure and delicious nut milk. Now, if you make nut milk, it's easy, as you know. If you don't, here's the simple process. You're going to soak um, yummy nuts like hazelnuts or almonds overnight and then in the morning you're going to blend them with water you'll rinse and drain them and then combine them with fresh water usually about you start with like a cup of dry nuts and they plump when they soak and then in the morning you're going to combine them with six cups of water it varies on which nut or seed you're using okay but if you're following a recipe you know this tends to work for almonds or hazelnuts and then you're going to use a high-powered blender ideally like a Vitamix or Blendtec Um, got links for you in the show notes, to blend until it's smooth. And it may appear very smooth, but as you put it in the jar and put it in the fridge, a whole bunch of pulp, very fine pulp, is going to settle to the bottom. You can just pour your nut milk off the top, and when you get to the pulp, stop drinking it, put that in the compost, um, or then like strain that and put that pulp back into cookies or baked goods. Or what you can do is from the very beginning, right after you blend um, to get that, you know, that milk, so you're blending the nuts with the water, at that point, you can just pour the mixture through a nut milk bag. Um, You can also use, you know, a colander over a pot lined with cheesecloth, which is very easy to do as well. Nut milk bag is very convenient because you're pouring through. You can draw it closed and squeeze And um, the milk goes through and the pulp stays in the bag. Um, And then your resulting milk has been strained. You put it in the fridge. You can drink the entire thing without any sediment. It's very smooth and creamy. And, of course, I've given you ratios here, but you can increase the nuts for a thicker. You can decrease for a more watery. Um, But the idea to get smooth milk is to use this nut milk bag. So the tip of the week, we've got a craft for you, an easy sewing project to make your own. You can buy them um, depending on your uh, your perspective on price. It may be too pricey to spend on a little piece of fabric that's sewn into a um, rectangle bag, whereas a piece of, um, you know, like, what would you call it, um, um, butter linen or a piece of um, muslin um, that has a fairly tight weave, just a piece of that for this bag from the fabric store is so much less expensive and then you've got a few seams and you've got a nut milk bag so on the blog um, Andrea is showing you how to do it yourself make your own nut milk bag and it doesn't cost very much at all it's an easy project it might even be a project you want to do with your 
children that are interested in sewing and easy sewing projects, we've got a step-by-step tutorial with pictures for you at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash nutmilkbag, where nutmilkbag is one word. So be sure to check it out because it's inexpensive and it's a great way to end up with creamy, smooth, um, pure, fine nut milk. Going to take a quick break here and then I'll be back with the main topic for today's podcast. Hi, I'm Wardy, a traditional cooking expert and food blogger at ganalfglins.com. For years, my family struggled with food-related health problems, but we don't anymore. And I'd love to show you that preparing whole foods with traditional methods is easy, delicious, and super good for you too. So just go to traditionalcookingschool.com slash free, and I'll show you how easily you can do it too. I'll give you five free videos that include my favorite traditional cooking techniques, plus printable at-a-glance fact sheets as a handy reference. So, if you're ready to start looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good, then visit traditionalcookingschool.com slash free today. Today we're talking about meal planning, and I've got four easy steps for you to get you to a meal plan that really works for your family and your lifestyle. I want to, before I get into those four steps, do a little bit of talking about you know why I'm talking about this today and why meal planning is important. Well, the reason I'm talking about this is because this comes up all the time at traditional cooking school. You may or may not know, but with a premium membership to traditional cooking school, we do a traditional food makeover for any member that wants it. And once a month, we have a roundtable meeting for all the premium members, and we go through a whole bunch of traditional food makeovers. And there are probably, um, you know, if we do a dozen makeovers a month, probably three or four of them that are submitted say, I need help with meal planning. It's a huge hurdle. It's a hurdle for seasoned traditional cooks. It's a hurdle for new traditional cooks. Um, So the reason I'm answering this question today is because so many of you need help with this. Um, And so I'm really excited to share. You know, over the months, I've given this advice so many times, and it's sort of grown into this system um, that I feel is very adaptable to lifestyle. It's not a menu plan that you serve. It's a menu plan system that serves you. Um, So I really want to share it and I'm really excited to share it and see that it helps all of you. Uh, Let's spend a few minutes talking about why meal planning is important. You know, you, you may not be a planner. You may be just totally fine with just um, eating off the cuff and you've got a pantry that supports whatever you want to eat. And that's great. In fact, I tend toward that side of the spectrum. However, um, even if I don't have a documented meal plan, I've got one in my head and I've got um, the pantry well stocked and I know what I'm purchasing at the grocery store and I know what meals we like to eat every week um, or every month or every season. And so I've got a menu in my head. I've got prep steps in my head. And if we have company, I write them down. So even if you don't think you would benefit from a meal plan, it might be you've, you're already working with one and doing some, making a more concerted effort will um, transform your relationship with your ki- kitchen, maybe give you more freedom, be better training for your children. It could provide you a whole host of benefits to consider doing this. Um, but let's talk about the person who is the planner and the pers- or the person who needs um, maybe some more hand-holding, um, needs to follow something. This could be you know, in our audience here, it's probably you. 
you are busy, you are homesteading, you're gardening, you're cooking, you may be homeschooling your children, or you're highly involved in your children's activities, you may work outside the home and not have much time to devote to cooking. There's a whole host of reasons why you have a very busy lifestyle and meal planning um, could help you out. Meal planning can help us. I'm just going to go through some reasons here. Meal planning can help us stick to a budget. Um, It's so easy to overspend when you don't follow a plan. So if you have a plan and the plan is around things you can afford, it could help you stick to a budget or even pare down your budget because you need to save more for a certain amount of time. Uh, Using a meal plan can ensure that you have the right ingredients for the healthy foods you want to prepare for your family. If you don't have a meal plan, how do you know what to buy? Then you don't end up having the ingredients. And this turns into what we don't want to see happen, at least on a regular basis. Of course, there's the 80-20 rule. Um, You know, try to hit your mark 80% of the time, 20%, give yourself some flexibility. But what happens if on a regular basis you are um, not prepared, you've let things go too long, then you end up eating poorly, turning to eating out, you know, junk food, and you're not supporting your health, your family member's health, you're spending more money than you wanted to spend. I mean, it can turn into a problem. Another great reason why meal planning can be such a huge benefit is, you know, as a mom, we have so many things to think about. Or, and I don't mean to exclude any, any guys listening in here, but all of us that are cooks have a lot of things to think about besides cooking. You know, we have to think about exercise, getting enough sleep, spending time with the family, um, our children's needs, our spouse's needs, our business needs, um, our personal development. You know, there's so many things, so many goals, so many things to think about. So if we have to add the stress of meal planning into the equation, it often means that we're not giving our best to those other important areas of our life. So what if you could reduce the stress of meal planning from your life and then you have just more to give all around and you're happier? And that's what meal planning can do for you. It can give you that break where you don't have to expend a ton of mental energy on, oh, no, what am I going to fix? I'm late. Oh, no, I'm spending too much money. If you can um, give yourself a plan that solves all those things, I can guarantee, maybe I shouldn't say that, but you're a happier person, more productive. You have more to give in the most important parts of your life. So that's why meal planning can help. And if you are a person who's listening to this and thinking, you know, all those things would help me, then I encourage you to stick around because we're going to talk about the four easy steps to this, to getting you a meal plan that works for you, to give you that freedom, that mental clarity, that, um, that just ability to give more to maybe things that you think are more important. Um, so, okay. So one more thing I want to cover before we dive into the four steps here the right approach. Okay. There's a right approach to this. And I don't mean there's a right approach. Everybody needs to do it this way. I mean, there's a right approach for you. So I'm going to give you four steps here, but you want to always be thinking, does that work well with me? Um, can that help me? So you want to be sure to set it up. So it's serving you because if you set it up, so you're serving it, you know it's going to end up being a pain, a thorn in your side, and you're not going to keep it up. Um, So you don't want to be a slave to it. You want to make it work for you. One size doesn't fit all, okay? So you want to tweak this process to get it to work for you. And also, what I'm going to do in my um, 
upcoming steps and examples is I'm going to focus on dinners. Okay, we're just going to start with meal planning for dinners. Um, but know that you can apply this same process if you're planning lunches or breakfast or snacks or a trip or whatnot. I'm suggesting we start with dinners so that you can get into this process and then you can tweak it and make it work for you. So then when you, um, you know, go on to plan lunches and dinners to work those into your life, it's not, well, first of all, it's not so overwhelming if you have to like do it for everything. But second of all, you've already tweaked the process, worked out the kinks, you kind of know your tendencies and whatnot. And so then you can just easily pretty easily transition into lunches and breakfast too, if that's your goal. Okay, so I think we're all on the same page. Hope you're excited about this. Let's get into steps one through four. Okay, so step number one, this is the research gathering step. Okay, you're going to gather your favorite meals. And you just want to start with the things that your family loves to eat. Hopefully, they've been transitioned to whole foods and traditional food prep methods. If they haven't, then you're going to want to work in some time to convert the recipes over. But you're just going to start by making a list. You can do it on paper. You can do it in Evernote. You can do it in your word processor, whatever, your dry erase board. You're going to get together this list of your family's meals, and you're going to aim for 7 to 14. But if you only have one or two, that's fine. Okay, so use your favorites. And don't, don't forget things like breakfast for dinner. You can also look around for new recipes to try or recipes that are makeovers of your favorite recipes that aren't whole foods. So it may take you some time to build up to 714, like, you know, a couple weeks. That's fine. This is, this is an important part of the process. Another way to look for meals is to use our menu plans. Um, remember... That, you know, in traditional cooking school with a premium membership, we give you a weekly menu plan. And in fact, um, you know, I told you I've been getting this question about menu planning for so long. That is why we started giving these menu plans back in 2010. Um, Every week we've been issuing a menu plan. I think um, yesterday we just published number 222. (laughs) So it's pretty exciting. So um, Anyway, if you're getting our menu plans with your traditional cooking school membership, that can be a resource. Every week, there's three main dishes. Um, And so if you've been a subscriber for a while, you can look back and say, you know, what were my favorites of those? We put them on one per page. We give you the prep steps. um, So it's very easy and convenient to slip into your planning. You can look at sites and books around traditional foods or whole foods. Um... There's a great book if your lifestyle needs like crockpot cooking. It's Crock On by our friend um, Stacy from Stacy Makes Sense. And um, you can find more information about that if you go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash crock on, where crock on is one word. Um, so, And you may have other favorite sites. So you're just, right now you're just pulling main dish, or sorry, dinners, uh, dinner recipes, I should say, um, you're pulling dinners from all these favorite sources. And so you're thinking about main dishes. You're also thinking about side dishes. Um, you may even want to do, you know, a dessert once a week, but you're just pulling all these recipes. Um, I want to make sure that as you're doing that, you're factoring in your lifestyle. 
Like if you need easy meals, you want to focus on the easiest meals that are your family favorites. You want to factor in the crock pot. If you're away from home a lot, you want to factor in crock pot meals on this so that you are able to, you know, assemble it in the morning or the night before or whatever works with your schedule. You want to factor in your budget. You want to factor in, can the kids get involved to lighten the load? You want to factor in like busy times of your life. Like if there's, um, a busy season and you need to go for like, uh, well, let's say it's the summer and you can't cook in the house. You want to go for meals that you're doing on the grill or outside. You want to factor in whether or not your family eats, needs leftovers to pack in lunches. And so your meals need to be large enough or you need to scale them up so that you have leftovers. Um, another thing is, you know, um, just, if you don't have this full list, just to keep in mind, it's not bad if you only have two or three or five or whatnot, but you're going to work on them a few at a time and add to this list as you go along. So get to what you've got and, um, you know, spend this time doing the research phase to get yourself a, a good list. And, and as I said before, um, you can, you can take a few weeks to try out some new meals to add to the list, or, or you could start right now just with what you've got. And a final thing is that this is going to be a work in progress even after you've implemented the plan because here's the thing, seasons change or we may have dietary issues that come up, um, ingredient, seasonal ingredients are going to change, so you're going to be kind of shifting. And so at some point you might want to have like a list for like your favorite summer meals and your favorite winter meals. And even then those later could be split into spring and summer, fall and winter. But when you're doing it first right now, you're going to focus on the season you're in. And I just want you to keep that in mind for the long term, that you may be implementing what you're eating right now, but you want to be um, thinking and um, paying attention to these seasonal changes because your, your, um, your favorite meals that you're gathering may shift. And so now we're going to move into step two, which is where you're going to create a rotating schedule based on that list. Let's say you've got seven favorite family meals that are seasonal and budget-friendly and fit with your lifestyle and whatnot, ready to go on your list. Well, if you have seven, that is a weekly schedule you could rotate every week for a whole month. Or it's a, um, um, let's say you have to work in like leftover nights and nights when your family's at like a church potluck. So seven meals could actually be stretched out to a 14 day rotation, a two week rotation with built in leftover nights and nights out and date night or whatnot. So this is where you're going to tweak it for your lifestyle. And on this schedule, which I say make on, you know, you can make it digitally, you can make it on paper. Um, if you're doing paper, I suggest a binder and try to, you know, hole punch and keep things kind of fairly in order. Um, but on ideally you want to have, um, like designated pages. Okay. You want your master list of all the meals. Then you want to collect your supplementary um, supporting documents, like the recipes themselves. And if you've needed to scale them up, it would say that. You also want to include prep steps. So if you have to thaw meat the night before, if you need to feed the sourdough starter, you want to notate those things on each um, recipe. Include the prep steps so you don't have to think about it. It's already ready for you. And I want to mention that if you're on our menu planning service with your membership, that our meals come one per page with prep steps so they can very conveniently slip right in on this system. 
I also want to mention that it's fun for the family to know what they're eating. And in our Real Food Kids Eat course, Jamie, the main ta- teacher for that, included this great idea where you can take your, um, and, she, and she even gave you a printout so you could go back and print that out. But it's a piece of paper and it has um, seven boxes. I think that's how she arranged it, one for every day of the week. And you print it and you frame it. So it's going to be in an eight and a half by 11, you know, standard paper size frame. I suppose you enlarge it if you want, but you put it in a frame behind glass and you hang it on your kitchen wall, your dining room wall, and you use a dry erase marker and you actually write down your menu for the whole week on that. And so then kids and husband are coming in and out of the kitchen and they, they know what's for dinner. So that's a fun idea that you can actually take, um, you know, this plan that you're making and you can actually make it visual for the whole family. So that's step number two to actually take your list and create yourself a rotating schedule. And you're going to want to utilize the list. You're going to want to make sure you have all the recipes, all the prep steps. And then if you want to go to the point of having a calendar posted on your um, wall, that's great. If you don't do that, I still suggest you have a um, blank calendar page in your binder or digital so that you can actually say, you know, Monday we're having tacos, Tuesday we're having chicken and mashed potatoes, you know, and all these favorite meals. Um, If you're a subscriber to our menu plans with your traditional cooking school membership, the last page of every weekly menu is a blank weekly calendar that you can utilize for this purpose. So um, you could print it four times and you'd have a whole month. Like, let's say you had, you know, um, between 20 and 30 recipes collected, you could actually do a whole month rotation and lay it all out on these blank calendar pages. And you know what I'm going to do? Just in case you're not a menu plan subscriber, I'm going to get that blank calendar and I'm going to have it at the show notes for you. So you can go print it out and use it here. So go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 103 and you'll find a printable for that one page um, uh, weekly blank calendar. Okay, so now step number three. And just because I've spent 20 minutes talking about this doesn't mean it's complicated. I just want to make sure that you understand the concepts behind these four simple steps and can implement them. Um, And also feel the freedom to tweak to suit yourself. So number three is to create your master shopping list for this menu. If it's a two-week menu you've created, a two-week rotation that you're just going to repeat over and over for as long as it's seasonally possible, well, you just go through your recipes and um, make the shopping list of what you need to buy or keep stocked in order to make and serve these meals. And if it's a two-week menu and you go shopping once a week, you may need to split the produce up into, you know, one week at a time. I do want you to keep in mind you need to remember to scale up your recipes, scale up your ingredients if you're going to have leftovers for lunch. Um, And that's pretty simple. You're just getting yourself the shopping list so that you have it when you go to the store. So step three doesn't require much. Now step four is to just cook from the menu. And I think all the heavy lifting is done. All the planning is done. Uh, You know it's your family's favorite meals. You know what prep steps to follow. You've got the ingredients. You've scaled them up if you need to. You've worked around your life schedule. And so all you're doing now is cooking from the menu. And the freedom that offers is amazing because you don't have to think about anything. There's no mental energy required. You also are not in a place where you have to redo the process of planning every week because you have now created this cycle that you can follow for an entire season. And um, that is really freeing. 
I'm going to give you an example of how this idea of planning can um, go into other areas of your life. You know, it's 2015 now, and at the beginning of the year, I said that I wanted to have a morning routine of reading and study and journaling. And this was in addition to my routine of exercise that I have done for several years. Or, or I would say, you know, I've exercised on and off my whole life, and I prefer to do it in the morning. So um, the way that I make it happen without having to think, like, you know, wake up in the morning, oh, should I exercise? Should I do my journal? Is to like have it all done, like have my teacup ready, have my notes and my iPad ready to go, have my exercise clothes lined up, to have my clothes for the day ready. So when I'm getting up, all I'm doing is carrying out what's already been decided. And that's the beauty of a menu plan is you're carrying out what's already been decided. You're also so much more easy, easy, uh, so much more able to delegate to your children or your spouse or house guests that um, are able and willing and capable to help um, because it's just like, you know, this is what we're making. Here are the ingredients. Here are the steps. And you're just making it happen. I hope you can see the, the power of this. And now before I wrap up here, I want to just talk about some ways that you can take this further. And some of these have come up already a little bit. Um, I've hinted at them, but I want to be more explicit. So ways to take this further, you can batch cook. So if you've got a busy life or you've got, let's say, a schedule you're going to repeat every week, well, one week you can batch up um, something that you make and put it in the freezer. So if it's like a casserole or let's say you're going to have two breakfasts for dinner where one this week, one next week, and you're going to have um, need English muffins for toast, well, you can double up on your sourdough English muffins and put them in the freezer. And so then the next week when you're having the same meal, or what if it's salmon melts or sloppy joes? So then the next week you got the bread already in the freezer, you pull it out. You've saved yourself that step. You can do the same thing with um, if you have multiple meals that need rice, you could soak and cook your rice for, you know, um, half the week for three meals. Um you can cook multiple chickens in the crock pots. One of my favorite things to do so that you have uh, chicken meat for sandwiches and all kinds of meals for a week or, you know, freeze half of it. So you have it for next week's meals. Um, if you're doing soaked and cooked beans, same thing, do a double batch of the beans and then freeze them for the next week's chili. You can prep your uh, produce ahead of time. We have a handy guide for washing produce on the blog at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash produce. This is going to show you um, really excellent ways to wash and prep all your different kind of veggies, and they will last longer in the fridge. Plus, if they're prepped this um, way, that's another thing you don't have to do when it's mealtime. There are some veggies you can even prep further, like you can shred carrots, you can dice your onions, your lettuce, if it's washed well and dried and you suck all the air out of the Ziploc bags, you can slide it in little nooks and crannies of your fridge, but make sure it's not a part that freezes um, and your lettuce is going to keep really well. I also want to suggest that if your budget can afford it, you may want to look to some convenience items, of course, natural food items. Here's an example. Um, those one pound tubs of triple washed spring lettuce mix or greens, if your garden's not in season or if you're not growing greens, that can be very convenient to bring those home 
um, what we do, we just recently discovered them. I had no idea our grocery store was carrying them because it wasn't, they weren't in the organic section, but I saw a lady with some in her cart. And then I asked one of the produce attendants, where did she get that? And he pointed me, you know, to where they had all the conventional bagged lettuce. So who knows how long they've been carrying it. But so this is something I've recently discovered. And um, we have in our fridge, the whole top shelf is half gallon jars of raw milk from our herd share. We have limited fridge space because of the volume of milk we get once a week. And of course, I turn it into yogurt and it's enough for a week. So that takes up another shelf. So I got those tubs of greens and I love the convenience of not having to wash and completely dry. They are ready to go. I brought the tubs home. I asked my son to just pack them in Ziploc bags, suck all the air out, and the bags slip right on top of the half-gallon jars on the top shelf of the fridge. So in other words, they're in a place that nothing else fits anyway, but now we have convenient salads and we're eating salads more often. Um, So another example here would be like maybe... um, organic lemon juice, one that doesn't have any additives, you know, it's already squeezed, Uh, you know, just things that, you know, if you can afford it and you find a good deal on it, it'll save you some time. You can weigh the costs and benefits of, okay, this will help me. We would actually eat it if I was able to purchase this versus we're not going to eat it because I'm not going to get to it. I don't have time to fit that in. So that's a way that you can take this further. Another thing is to make sure you're always getting feedback from your family. So, you know, the first step was the research phase, the gathering phase. You're asking your family then, what are your favorite meals? Well, as you go along and you try new recipes, like from other websites or from our menu plans, you're asking your family, is this a keeper? Should we put this in the rotation? Also ask them, you guys still enjoying this? You're tired of it? You want to take a break for a while? So your your system can ebb and flow depending on your family's feedback. I mean, the idea here is that your family is getting enough variety, loving their food, getting healthy food, and for you not to be a slave to it, but to um, be freed up to really enjoy the process and feel excited and liberated by it. Um, and then I'll, the final thing is leftovers. I've mentioned this already, but... Um, you know, if you've got a lot of leftovers, add in a leftover night or scale up so that you purposely have leftovers for lunches or breakfasts. You know, dinner can eat, be eaten for breakfast too. Um, so that's pretty much it that I plan to tell you on menu planning. And just to recap on the steps, number one is to gather your favorite meals and create that list. Number two is to turn it into a rotating schedule complete with the recipes Um, and the prep steps written in. Number three is to create your shopping list for the menu. And number four is simply to cook from the menu because all the heavy lifting is done. I look forward to hearing your your feedback on this. You can visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 103. God bless you. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you again soon. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode. Just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then without a space, just type the number of this episode. You'll get links and much more information about what we've been talking about. You can submit questions for future episodes. I love to answer your questions on the air. So go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions to submit them. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. 
And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Warty while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. While you're there, please do leave a rating or review. I love to get them, love to read your comments, and they're invaluable to help other people find this podcast. Thank you so much.